Welcome back to Postscript. I'm Christina Ziders. And I'm Beth Capello. Before we get into today's episode, there are only two episodes left before All Creatures takes a break until season four. If you're watching along, send us your thoughts. What do you hope to see in the season finale? And if you've already finished the season on PBS Passport or you're one of our friends from across the pond, send us your favorite moments from seasons one through three. Email us at ps at witf.org. Or slide into our DMs on Instagram at WITFORG and Facebook at WITF.org. So today we have a familiar voice joining us. It's Helen Widowson. And she's here to talk about two key elements from this episode that are near and dear to her heart. Tea and military service. Yes. Yeah, so let's get to it. Welcome back, Helen. Here I am again. Wow, I'm starting to feel like I'm a pub frequenter on this podcast. <laughs> and I should probably have my own personal mug like they do at the Drovers. We will have to get her one. We should get her a mug. We should make them. We should all have mugs. Oh my gosh, you know that you can do mugs and you can like Sharpie on them and then you cook them in the oven? Have you ever done that? I don't yeah, believe I it. Because you don't? I've no. done it before. Oh, really? And yeah. it worked? Yeah. And then, it, so if you cook it right. in the oven, the the marker paint will stay on okay. for longer. My sister bought me a mug yeah. that was made that way, and I hand-washed yeah. it, and all of it's gone. Okay, so it wasn't cooked in the oven <laughs> long enough. <laughs> it was just sharpied on. She paid somebody <laughs> for it, and now I have a plain white mug. Aww. <laughs> well, I'll take it, and I'll put the drovers on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Helen. Oh, we got to get it hey, for you, Back though. to this pub yes. frequenter. <laughs> so just a question for you two. Do you know the origin of the term, wet your whistle? No. I, I have no idea. I've said it. No. Yeah. Have I said it? I don't know. Have you said it? I, I have. I've, I, I've probably said it because I have the old-timey vo- vocabulary of like an <laughs> That's 80 true. <laughs> Where's it come from? Well, it just so happens that pub frequenters had mugs with whistles built into the rim or handle of their mug. <laughs> and when they blew it, their mug would then be refilled. <laughs> that sounds like I need that for my wine glass. <laughs> I think I need That's it. So for, cool. Well, I don't even know because I wait on Matt hand and foot basically at home. Yeah. So he'd probably have a mug with a whistle. But if you had the whistle, would he then wait on you? No. <laughs> you just like, get, it, get it yourself. The most he's ever done for me happened last night and he made me a bag of popcorn. And I didn't ask for it. I wasn't even hungry, but I ate it because it was so nice. Oh, he's so nice. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. (laughs) Well, I don't have a mug that whistles, but I do have a whistling tea kettle. (laughs) And that is why this episode really spoke to me. In fact, I counted tea or tea time or a brew being offered 15 times alone in this one episode. And while they aptly named the episode Edward, of course, my personal name for it is Tea and Sympathy. Yeah. So brew meant tea as well, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, did they drink coffee? I don't know that I've seen. Have they, they drank coffee? They did drink coffee, but it not as much okay. as tea, because okay. tea is their national beverage, as we all have right. observed. Makes sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> Helen, I know from working with you that your background is steeped in tea. Can you tell us a little bit more? That's correct. I did. I did have my own tea room and a cafe many years ago, um, but tea has always been a very big part of my life. Um, when I had the tea room, I had to learn all about tea, tea properties, health benefits, the origins of tea, how it is grown and processed. But I'll note for now that I won't be going into that deep dive <laughs> in this podcast because we're going to save that for another episode down the road. <laughs> 
So, Helen, let's talk a little bit about what jumped out to you most in this episode. Like, what did you notice? Well, first and foremost, um, in the beginning of the episode, as uh, the train that was carrying Mrs. Hall pulled into the station, you could actually see the entire tea set up through her train window. Yeah, that, so I didn't see that at I all. I didn't notice it yeah. either. That pulled me in right away because, of course, only in England would you be able to get tea as soon as you disembarked <laughs> any form of public transportation. <laughs> Unlike here. <laughs> right, where you have to pay for everything. $8 more than right. you would. And it's uh, like, overpriced coffee. <laughs> Chai lattes <laughs> in an airport. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really cool to see that they have like tea literally right outside of the train when you Right. Get and off. my big question is if they could do that then, why can't they do it now? Like, because they have to profit off of True. Because we got to make money. True. Economy. <laughs> got to make more money. <laughs> as much money as you can. So I noticed too that the ladies uh, with the serious tea setup were wearing these green armbands, and I wasn't sure what yes. those really meant. So I watched that, too, and I did a bit of research because I didn't know either until I read up on it. But uh, these ladies were members of the Women's Land Army. And this oh. organization began in 1917 during World War One, And what they did was the agricultural work uh, that the men did once they were called to war. So that left a big hole. And so women took up, you know, maybe driving the tractor or baling the hay or or uh, harvesting the crops more so than they had done um, in their their roles before their husbands or their the men and their families were gone. Okay. So was that more of like like, did they just volunteer in those spots, or were they told that they had to do that, like drafted? Because it says land army. Right. So in the beginning of the episode, it was 1939, as you noted, and that was the beginning of uh, Great Britain's involvement in World War II. Um, and so when that organization uh, ended after World War One. it was actually recalled for World War II, even though at that point they didn't know that they were technically going to war. They were building up their forces, um, and they knew that maybe that was going to happen, but there, were no, there was a lot of uncertainty still. So um, this got revived, and then uh, most of the girls that v- would volunteer for it, but then later mm. Winston Churchill um, made it, uh, part of conscription. So if they didn't have if enough, they could be drafted. Yeah. Yes, if they didn't have enough, then they could certainly technically draft women into the Women's Land Army. Um, and you could do many jobs in the Women's Land Army. You didn't just have to do ag work. Um, you could you could also volunteer to be what was called a lumber jill, which was <laughs> the opposite of lumberjack, I guess, <laughs> which was the forestry division of the land army. So, and I think um, these tea ladies that were at the station, they, they you notice they're volunteer. Yeah, it's a volunteer. Yeah, volunteer right. So they were obviously volunteers. And then maybe they just, at that point, you know, where the war was, that's what they were doing at that point. But maybe later they were doing other things. So you, you just, we just don't know from the episode. But that's I think the, I'd want to be a lumberjill. I was thinking the same thing, just because it's a cool name. Right. But then again, I'd have to be outside cutting down trees, and my allergies are really bad. Well, if you're doing <laughs> agriculture work, though, tr- that that would uh, also be happening. Although ag work is probably, it's more like a CrossFit workout, so you'd probably get real buff. I think I'd do that. Yeah. And you're with the animals. <laughs> Right, but right? there's a lot of poop involved with animals. That's fine. I can just throw it on James. <laughs> I mean, I guess I <laughs> like am. Like, did. I'm used to it. You're used <laughs> to poop. We always talk about it. Up poop. <laughs> uh, anyways, off of poop. 
how many times did you notice that someone made tea for someone else in this episode? Because I know you were counting. <laughs> I was. So Tristan, who we know was holding down the fort for Mrs. Hall, uh, started the very day with tea and served it to Andrew, the student who came, and to Siegfried. Then he served it again at lunch and then to Mr. Sunningwell, who had brought his dog Benjamin in uh, to be helped. And then again on Helen's family farm when uh, she and James went to check the sheep's hoof problem. They had it for breakfast. And then Helen brought it out to him in the barn while he was tending to the sheep. So I got four right now. That's and that doesn't that even little. involve Mrs. Hall's like eight cups she drank. Right. Correct. <laughs> I hope they had nice public restrooms at that train station. I hope so. She that is a whole lot of tea. <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, it's kind of interesting how they use tea. It's really the default. If you're sad, you have tea. If you're happy, yeah. you have tea. If you're celebrating, you have tea. It's always tea. You wake <laughs> up, you have tea. Yeah. Right. It's not it's not just a beverage. It's a part of their lives in Great Britain. So we saw in one episode alone, it was a day starter, a social icebreaker, uh, a cup of kindness, a healing balm, a stress reducer, a relationship mender and a day ender as well. Yeah, I, w- I would never sleep. I, if it's all black tea anyway, if yeah. it's not never herbal tea, I would never sleep. <laughs> I mean, that's it's I love how you wrote entitled all of those teas like you start your day with it you end it but then it's a cup of kindness and healing and stress reducing because like all of these cups of teas and relationship mender especially like they were all drank today i I love how you like describe them it's a very socially involved custom yeah well it's just it's part of their life like brushing your teeth in the morning Except it goes on all day long. You're supposed and to brush your teeth night in the too. morning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Gross, Beth. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, Helen, in addition to all of the cups of tea, you said that you relate to Mrs. Hall and her son leaving for the unknown of war. Can you share a little bit about your experience with that? Well, this isn't something that comes up in my normal, casual conversations with people, uh, but my military background really brought up some memories for me as I viewed this episode, not just of my own spouse and our years of service, uh, but of friends and people I know who served and didn't return to their families during certain conflicts or just as a result of a, of a training accident. Um, the military is a community of people, and when things like that happen, everyone feels it. Um, In fact, it really hit me how Mrs. Fall was feeling that day, not just because of the history she had with Edward, but because of the thoughts and reality that her her very own son may not return. Yeah. I was crying when he was leaving on the train. I mean, my kids are, what, two and one, so, like, very young, and, you know, I have plenty of time ahead of me. But I can't imagine no, they'll, sending them off. they're going to be adults tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's uh, how it goes. Like, stop it. Uh, stop it. But I, hate it. I can't imagine, like, running after your kid on a train just to say goodbye and asking him to repeat the last thing he said, which was, I right, love you, Bob. Yeah. Like, I know. Oh my and then gosh, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Done with that scene. <laughs> I can't talk about it anymore. <laughs> I watched the episode three times, and that scene got me literally every single time. Yeah. Just, like, an ugly cry. Song. I was bawling. Yeah. yeah. It was bad. 
And I don't think any any mother or parent, for that matter, wants to think of those thoughts or entertain that possibility. But I know for myself that my own son uh, was a member of the armed forces for four years, and he was a flyer. And um, when he deployed several times because he was on an air crew, so he didn't just go once. He went a whole bunch of times. Um, You you just I don't even know how to explain how it makes you feel. There's really not a word to to put into the fear that you feel while at the same time you're proud of your child Mm -hmm. who's now a man that you you still look at and and see the little boy in him. (laughs) And I think what you do is probably what Mrs. Hall was doing. Um, you put those feelings in a in a little box that you really don't want to open. You know it's there. You might have to, but you you're you're just going to push it aside for now. Um, and I, I felt for her when she was trying to get his attention uh, when he got on that train. Not not because my son and I were strained ever. We aren't. We have a wonderful relationship, but because I could just feel that lump in her throat and the out and out fear that she was experiencing. Um, especially since we know she was acquainted with war already. So she knew what the possibilities were. Um, And like I said before, as proud as you are as a parent, you know, of your, of your, your son or daughter serving, um, you're also scared to death, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. Yeah. With her, there was also that added, she's waited so long for this moment to like be reunited with Edward and there's this war looming over it the whole time. So yeah, I do feel for her. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for sharing your story. Uh, is there anything else you want to share? Just that I I was amazed how, with all this heaviness, that I just really noted how tea was utilized in every aspect of this episode and how it can work in all situations. I mean, think about it. All you need is some water and tea mm-hmm. and a cup or a mug. Yeah. And tea has its own properties, its own health benefits. But it's really the actual act of having a cup of tea and relaxing, breathing, slowing down. And that's the answer is taking time for yourself. And and that's what helps you to process things, right, when you slow down and, and think about them and relax at the same time. So although I think the stars of this episode were tea and certainly Mrs. Hall, right. um, <laughs> I, I hope our listeners will, will take just this little bit from that episode, and that is to take a moment in your lives, in your busy, busy lives, and, and process things. Uh, take them in. Enjoy the moment. Rest. Um, and breathe, which yeah. is just as important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, tea, tea is really uh, something that brings people together, and hopefully— in our upcoming episode, we'll dive more into the actual uh, benefits of tea from a health perspective. Yeah, I'm excited about that because yeah, I enjoy tea. tea and I know there are health benefits, but I, I don't know all of them. So, And I also I drink tea kind of as a ritual sometimes. It feels very ritualistic to get to boil the water and pour the water in and wait for the tea to brew and huh. like warm your hands. So that's really I'm, – I'm excited about this bonus episode. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, Helen, thanks again for your insights and tea takeaways. And for our listeners, to tease a little bit ahead, we'll have Helen back for a very special Postscript bonus episode all about tea. I look forward to that as well. And I'll make sure I bring my tea kettle, the one that whistles. (laughs) Yes, I really, really appreciate it. And it'll be super fun. 
So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Christina and I will explore the reunion we've all been waiting for, Edward and Mrs. Hall. Support for all creatures, great and small, on Masterpiece is made possible locally by WITF members and by Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, and Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster. Dear Mother, it's been quite some time. I'm training with the Navy and will be given leave next month to visit family. I think it would feel right for us to meet. Are you able to come to Keithley train station? I can meet you in the waiting room there on the morning of Monday the 10th of July. I hope to hear from you. Edward. Welcome back. And I have chills now. I know, especially (laughs) after that. This episode is really all about Mrs. Hall and Edward Mm -hmm. um, and finding some closure and healing and all of those good things. So I'm very happy that he did not stand her up because I was very worried about that. Oh, my gosh. When she was leaving, I was so worried. (laughs) Oh, my God. Very much. So, yeah. So that's how we open the episode with uh, her reading the letter from Edward in Edward's voice. And she's she pulls into the train station, looks around. She sees these women brewing tea and she goes into the waiting room to wait and wait and wait for Mm -hmm. her Edward to finally arrive. So I know this is like right when we started, but I actually did a closer look on Keeley Station. Oh, yeah. Where they are. So. From Grassington, which is where they are, like really are. Derby is Grassington, right? right? I'm following you. (laughs) I went to Google Maps and um, I figured out that from Grassington to Keeley Station is about a 36 minute drive. Okay. Okay. So the train is about an hour and 26 minutes. Okay. So that's why she could do it in a day and come back. Okay. I guess because like like a nice, it's an easy commute. Yeah. And then later on, she says something like how she wasn't looking forward to. It, but she meant not you, but the journey. You right. Know, she right, right, right. It's an hour and a half. It's a long time. It is, on I a mean, train. it's a decent drive. I guess I'm used to it, but she's probably semi used to it. She doesn't leave Darby often. I don't, does she ever? Leave I don't. Darby? I mean, this might be the first time she's ever in a long left time. Darby in the show. Yeah. So yeah, in the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. To me, because like, I don't know if she like hangs out with Dorothy ever or visits her. Oh, true. Dorothy know? came to visit her. But I don't know but... how do- far that is anyway for her. But yeah, so Keeley Station is also um, Worth Valley Railway. Okay. Okay, so there's Keeley Station, Worth Valley Railway is the trains. Okay. I got this information from kwr.co.uk. So the line opened in 1867 and was funded okay. locally. And then within a short time, it became part of the Midway Railway until 1923. I gotta look. Looks like an There's eight. So I'm days. pretty sure it's a three. <laughs> so, <laughs> is it 23 uh, or 28, somewhere in there. Oh, my writing. <laughs> so at the grouping, it was absorbed into the London, Midland, and Scottish Railway. Okay. All right. This so is like it's a, like. Just continually merging into larger and larger. Yeah. And then upon nationalization in 1948, the line became part of the British Railways. 
But then it ended up closing in 1962, oh. which doesn't seem like that long ago. But then again, I have to remember that we're in the 2020s, not oh. <laughs> so I constantly am reminded. I'm of like, that. oh, is that only, that's only 40 years? Oh no, no, no it's not exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's where I'm at. So we're old. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. And then a preservation society was formed, which created a company to buy the line outright, lease access to Keeley Station and operate a regular public service. And then eventually the line um, reopened to passenger traffic in June 1968. Oh, so it did reopen. Yes. So it was closed for a very short time. Yes. Okay. So about six years, I think. Yeah, so 62 you to can 68. ride it today. Yes. Oh, that's exciting. And actually, so I was trying to figure out if it was the same train used for Harry Potter because <laughs> of the love of Harry Potter. Right. And there wasn't much that I could find. I mean, there so, is some overlap with all of this. They look and similar. Harry Potter. Like right? they film in the sim- in the same area. Exactly. So, well, yeah. yeah. So Harry Potter's like crazy. the North Yorkshire. So what I f- found online, which I could be, you know, interpreting it incorrectly. So okay. if somebody listening knows, like, <laughs> let me know. Call me out. It's fine. Um, but I think what it is is that they're the Yor- the North Yorkshire line is the Harry Potter train. Okay. Which is also, I think, the Downton Abbey train. Okay. And then this one is Worth Valley Railway, which is a different train. They all look alike okay. to so me. And honestly, some... yeah, and she was in the, where she was sitting on the train in the car. Yeah. Like, what I forget what they're called, but in the, the car, way. but then in the... With the thing with the Ooh. doors that looked like it was from Harry Potter. <laughs> tr- oh my gosh! The what cart? is it? No, not the oh. cart, but the car, like the train car. <laughs> and then where they sit is that little thing with the door on it. Allie, do you know what it's oh called? My gosh. I don't know what it's called. I, I don't know. I don't know. Ca- ca- not cabinet. <laughs> the ca- I don't know. Is oh it a cabinet? Is no. No. It's cabin. Cabin. Oh, oh, the cabin. Ding, 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 ding. And we got there in the end. <laughs> Ten minutes later. So in the cabin, it looked like from Harry Potter. Okay. That's what it looked like to me. But then I think the doors open up on the outside of the train, but I'm not sure. Anyway. Maybe it's like, maybe they like made this design similar when like things started yeah. merging and everything. So maybe that's yeah. why. But like the Keeley Station, what it looks like, the pictures. Yeah. Uh, or when it's filmed, looks the same. So okay. Yeah. Well, if anyone knows, if anyone has the out here. <laughs> Harry Potter insider scoop slash all creatures great and small scoop, oh. let us know. But they did turn Keeley Station. I did find that they had a Lego competition for Harry Potter and turned Keeley Station into like Hogwarts kind of thing oh, for the kids. To okay, come so it looks at the, least the similar winners. enough. Yeah, that they could transform it into the Hogwarts Express. That's pretty cool. I know it was yeah. really really cool. To hear that. So I'm not sure. Somebody help me out. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, gosh. Please, let's bring we'll it back, back to Mrs. We'll Hall. We'll go back to Mrs. Hall. <laughs> okay, so she's waiting and waiting, right? Mm-hmm. And as she's waiting, she looks t- into her tin of biscuits. And the women who are serving tea flag her down to offer some. And um, at first she's like, no, but Mrs. Yeah. Hall isn't good at waiting. Like, let's just acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. She looks uncomfortable. Well, she sounds like she's been waiting forever, though. Right. Well, I she probably hasn't been waiting that long because she's always moving. So I think at this point she hadn't been waiting super long. Yeah. But she comes back out and she says, hello, I've changed my mind. Uh, but the nice lady serving tea doesn't hear her because she's deaf. And Mrs. Hall thinks, <laughs> rude. <laughs> I thought rude, too. And she starts going back in. But the lady catches her and she... Um, she talks to her, and you can tell, and she's um, using sign language. Yes. So Mrs. Hall's like, oh. And she comes back, and she gets the tea, and um, 
she like the lady asks like what are you who are you waiting for and she said oh I'm here waiting for my son and Audrey learns how to sign son in sign language which by the way I'm assuming there's a different version of sign language in this than in I think you're America right. yeah so, because um there's I don't know a, like either. ASL is American sign language right so I'm sure there's another one a I don't know what one. it's called yeah um it's I think they're similar but there's some type there's of like some, some signs are probably different. It's yeah. a different version of English. Yes. Yeah. Just like just like English UK and English America is exactly. different. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things I noted was that they're including a lot of people with um, disabilities in this series. Yeah, it's very diverse. Um, so I like that. Like this is not our first one. Mr. Rudd's one son looks like he has Down syndrome mm-hmm. as well. So I just shout out. I love it. I know. <laughs> Um, but she gets her tea and she goes back and she's waiting and waiting and more men come and more I men know. leave. Uh, she like gets, baby men. They're oh, like 10. They're, right. They're babies. <laughs> They're oh just gosh, babies. They're so this young. Is, this is war. So all these young men are coming and leaving and she gets up to leave and she thanks the woman for the tea. I'm like, did Edward stand her up again? I like, was I so was so sad. sad. <laughs> and, but, <laughs> but the episode does start with his voice. Right. So that was like, you, felt confident. you have to be able to see him because it has his voice. You felt confident. Yeah. I didn't I mean, feel as confident. No, well, when she was walking away, <laughs> she was walking away. I was like, he's done. Um, We're never going to meet Edward. Yeah. I was really disappointed. And But then they see each other. She's leaving. He's coming in. And he goes, mother. And she says, Edward. And at one point he says, sorry for making you wait this long. And I'm like, this is not just about the wait at the train station yeah. <laughs> because she has been trying to contact you for years, I yeah. think. Um, but she's so nervous. This is not the confident Mrs. Hall that we know exactly. in Derby. Um, so she's so nervous she's going to say the wrong thing. I think he is, too. It's like lots of small talk and it's very awkward. It's very uncomfortable. It, it well, yeah. I, mean, I felt very uncomfortable. It's been years, I guess, since they've seen each other. Yeah, they're like, what? They what do I say? Great. Yep. And I'm sure yeah. she's like, what do I say to my son, who I haven't seen in years, and who she hasn't feels talked responsible to me? For, yeah, yeah. But also, like, what do I say to not have him turn away from me again? Right. Or like, how like, do don't I keep say the him? wrong thing? Exactly. Yeah. So that's a. It was a very, that was a very stressful part of the episode was just like how awkward they were. Oh my gosh. And like, are they going to say the wrong thing? Um, but they're happy. They're there. They're there now. Yeah. So um, the nice lady with the tea suggests they go up to the left luggage uh, because it's quieter up there so that they can talk. And um, oh she- my gosh. <laughs> I just clicked that left luggage doesn't mean the direction left. It means it was left behind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, just, just clicked happened. in my brain. <laughs> I can't believe it. I was, like, to the left luggage. Like, the over, left luggage. And she's, like, up there. And I'm, like, no, it's to the it's left. To the left. Like, what? To the oh, left, my to gosh. To the left. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should have drank a cup of tea earlier with Helen to get <laughs> it together. Just wake up a little bit. <laughs> uh so she asks, how much time do you have left and or what time do you leave? And he says, in a while, which yeah. is very vague and annoying. Um, Five minutes could be a while <laughs> to some people. What to my child? She, so, <laughs> right. Five minutes. It's like to the, to the child who hasn't contacted you in years. Like in a while. Is that five minutes? That's true. 
Uh, she so she has these ten of cook this ten of cookies. We know this because she was looking in them, mm-hmm. and uh, she tries to offer them to Edward, and he refuses to take rude. the cookies. I thought you are Super rude. rude, so rude. Your mother's trying here, yeah, so hard, mm-hmm. and she made your favorite cookies. And she said, "There's always something room. There's always room for something sweet." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "That's what you used to say." And he says he still likes the cookies, but yeah. he, she shouldn't have gone through so much trouble. And he also claims he doesn't have room to keep the cookies. Like, come on, just make room for this tiny just tin of cookies, or take them in your them. hands. <laughs> you you came with one bag that goes right. on your back. Yeah. Hold the cookies. Right. Come on, man. So he's just being difficult. He has a lot of hurt feelings. Oh, yeah. Uh, But the cookies do bring up a moment that they get to chuckle over where they talk about his dad always liking the burnt bits. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the first time we see both of them kind of, you could see them relax. Just a little. And just a little bit. And they're smiling and they're talking about something that, you know, they bonded over in the past, but th- she also finds out now that Edward doesn't speak to his dad anymore. He says, I can't stand the fool mm-hmm. and that he's always drinking. Uh, Mrs. Hall sticks up for his dad and says that his dad is a victim of his circumstance, like yes. many people are. and As she would for anybody, always <laughs> right. sticking up for them. And Edward points out that's no excuse for the way he treated you. So we're getting a little view into their world. So Edward was definitely old enough to be aware of what was happening in the house. Mm -hmm. If you remember in an earlier episode how she tries to cover for Siegfried when Siegfried's like snapping at the kids, quote unquote. So that probably happened. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so he's not talking to his dad and he's worried. He asks, does it damage everyone war? And she says, not everyone says that and she says that she was lucky that she wasn't damaged because she yeah. was lucky um i damages a lot of people it does yeah. i mean you see things you can't unsee uh-huh like it makes sense so edward asks if she thinks the war will happen and he's obviously very concerned that the war is going to ruin him just mm-hmm. like it ruined his dad and i think he feels like he has a lot in common with his dad because he went to borstal and like did all which, these Yeah, things. which we do find out. Yeah. Right. So I think that's playing into his fear that he's like more like his dad than his mom. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, especially because when he talks about how he signed up, he can be a different person. He can be somebody good. He can pretend to be somebody yeah, good. Pretend to, pretend yeah, pretend to be somebody, to be somebody good. good. Yeah. So um this is where I got kind of annoyed with Mrs. Hall, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Because she keeps saying, it's not going to happen. The war is not going to happen. It won't even touch you because it won't happen. And she asks about his life in the Navy. And he says, I could pretend to be someone good. And she counters with, you are someone good. I've always seen the good in you. And this is when the healing starts. Yeah. (laughs) So he said, then why did you give me to the police? Borstal ruined me. It took all the goodness that you saw in me from him. And it was just really heartbreaking, actually, to see him just open up mm-hmm. and put it all on the line. Like, I could understand why he was being so distant now. Oh, yeah. Um, and well, why, so and Borstel, she, Borstel yeah. is a um, an institution for, like, it's a juvenile center. Juvenile attention so, sort yeah. of thing, yeah. Um, so he was very young when she 
when didn't it protect happened. him. Yeah. He, she didn't lie for him. She but, asks, like, well, I couldn't lie for you. Is but, that- like, what did he steal? Right. He, so she was working at a place similar right. to Siegfried's. Right. right? And then, well, I think she was, like, a house. Yeah, she was a She was, like, a housekeeper. Yeah. And then... He would go to work with her sometimes, right. of course, as, right. as you do back then. Um, and sometimes now you have your kid at work. But um, so I want to know what he stole as a teen right. that he couldn't just give back. That's a good question. Like, why and did they... she report him to the police for stealing something that she, that he couldn't give back, apologize for, and then, like, I don't know, her loser job? Like, what right. was that process? Like, so... In a sense, it seems from this perspective, my perspective is that she chose her job and her employer over by calling the police for something he stole from him, like instead of her son. But like it had to have been something big. big. Well, did did she call the police or was it her employer, though, that called the police? Oh, I, don't did know. They, I don't know if they established that or not, because if if the person he stole from called the police and press charges, she wouldn't have much wiggle room. But then she said, yes, my son had it in his room. I found it. Okay. And then he went to juvie, and instead, like, her employer sent her son to juvenile detention instead of not pressing charges. So it must have been something big. Yeah, I don't know. I don't don't, know. They don't establish it. That's That's a good question, and I don't know that we'll ever find out. I know. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) I just—it was just something that I thought— uh, yeah, so th- this moment was really healing for both of them. They got all yeah. of the all of the stuff that they were afraid to say is out now, mm-hmm. and that is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Hall goes off to get them more tea, and I was legit worried that Edward was going to sneak off. <laughs> so like, you were worried I was about so that. Worried. I just see Mrs. Hall getting tea, and I'm like, did he leave? The conversation <laughs> ended. I'm so confused. What happened? Is that I, it? <laughs> no, I was so afraid she was going to come back and he was going to be gone. And yeah. I was going to just be like, oh, Edward. Um, but she, he didn't. He's still there. Hooray. And they continue Thank to hash goodness. out the past. Um, Edward admit. well, Edward's view of the whole situation is very different than Mrs. Hall's views. Oh, yeah. Uh, he felt like he put the onus on him. He felt like he humiliated her mm-hmm. by doing this, even though he kind of blames her for the whole situation too because she turned him in and right she you know she didn't she didn't but then she does say like she didn't protect him right well she she's she basically says that uh, she let them take him away because she thought that they could fix whatever she did wrong that's where it ultimately led to is that um but i think it also tries to come down to his bringing up because his dad was damaged by the war. Right. No, I mean, you it's know, all so there's play. some trauma like, there. I think she felt guilty that she couldn't protect him from what his dad was experiencing. Yes. And that that meant that now he's also acting out because she failed to protect him. Mm. And it's just like all of it. But there's like this really, really nice clip where she tells him that I love you more than anything in this world. It's the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. I love you more than anything in this world, Edward. You need to know how much you mean to me. From the moment you were born to this moment right now. 
never ceased one bit. Always some tears. Yeah, like the emotion, her voice is amazing. Like it's just yeah. as powerful without her face on the screen. <laughs> like I know. it's crazy. But like I don't have children. So this, I'm sure, hits differently if you do. I have fur children, but those are not the same as human (laughs) children. I felt this way, or similar, I should say, because it's not my baby. But when my nephew was born Mm -hmm. and I held him for the first time and he smelled so good. And how could a baby smell good? I can tell you. (laughs) Oh, you can? I have a theory. Okay. I don't know. I never looked it up. But my theory is, because I had the same thing with my nephew. He's right. 11 now. Okay. These but I was like, he's mine. Right. Like, he's not mine, but he's right. mine. Like, you know this, what I mean? Like, this, this is, is the one baby. I will protect. And now I have two babies. So that's cool, too. But, like, he was mine. He was the first grandkid, first, yeah. for my first nephew. But my theory is, because <laughs> when I had my second kid, I just, like, I didn't want them to bathe him. Because I was like, no, I need to, I need to smell. You yeah. smell so good. Like, I could eat you right now. Like, you smell delicious. <laughs> okay. I think it's because... When we're all babies, we're all in the amniotic sac with the fluid. Okay. And when they come out, it they rem- still have the smell of the fluid on them until they get a bath. Okay. I think I held so- him after he was bathed, though. <laughs> oh, after he was bathed? I don't yeah, know. I don't well, know. Well, my theory that is that they sounds- smell delicious because we were there for nine months, right. nine-ish like months. activating some, some deep memory, memory yep. in our brain. Because it's a, the first thing you smelled as a baby was that. really interesting That's my thought. Theory. I like it. Yeah. Although babies <laughs> do smell really good. Especially, I, yeah. I think toddlers, like, okay. So They're sticky. My, my nephew <laughs> is, sticky. now he's he's six, he'll be turning seven. Oh. But even when I, I sniff his sweaty head and I'm still like, he smells so good, babe. Yeah. <laughs> You've imprinted but on like, him. <laughs> but, like, babies smell so good. They like, do. Even that, like, slight sour milk smell. I don't know. I don't even want kids, and I'm still like, can I sniff your baby? <laughs> can I borrow your baby for a minute? <laughs> but this this is not actually about how babies okay. smell. Yeah. I held him, and I was like, I think I would die for you. And yeah. that was a weird feeling for me. Wow. That was a real weird feeling. Mm-hmm. So as as a mother, I know this episode wrecked your insides like oh yeah are you okay <laughs> oh you're so sweet i am okay. i pray that oh, well i pray that i never have to go through something like right. this yeah um but yeah i just i mean my kids are so little they still love i mean they still my like two to be with like, you i hate you i'm like okay i love you i don't love you and I'm like, <laughs> yeah because i took your like i took something away right now because you'll get you're over being it. safe but you'll, you'll be fine in five minutes when you come running so okay. right. you want a snack but like when they're older i don't know, I don't know. like with the teenage yeah. years oh i yelled That's at my parents fun. so much i told i told my mother so often that i hated her not oh. i shouldn't say so often it didn't happen that often mm-hmm. but we would get in fights and i would scream i hate you and i'd walk out of the room and i'd slam my door and then I'd sit there and I'd feel really bad. Yeah. And I would cry. And then I'd come out and she's crying. And then we'd Aww. cry together and be like, I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> like, that's so sweet, though. Like, that's it's such like, a good relationship you have with your mom this mother's, to repair it right afterwards. And, oh, this mother's yeah. love. It is. Stuff. It's something else. Like, I can't completely identify. But I also in that moment was like, nope, I get it. Because you, well, you, have, your, you yeah. have your nephew who you love and who you, you know, you feel yeah. that. So. Uh, anyway, so we're going to move on. His train's coming. I'm so sad. 
And um, and he's just like, I got to go. She's like, like, you can't it. stay a moment longer. Yeah. Now, in his defense. Couldn't he take another train? <laughs> Maybe, but it is the Navy. So he might have to be back at a certain place <sighs> at a certain True. time to get on this boat. And uh, so he says, I've got to go. The past can't be changed. She felt guilty about letting him get to the point he did. They do this whole thing. He's. He's walking away from her so fast. I know. And she's, and she's just chasing trying to chase him, him. And like, slow down a little bit for her, please. Yeah. Um, and she says, I'm sorry, Edward. I'm so sorry. I never stopped loving you. And he finally, he turns back as he's about to get on the train. He turns back and he hugs her. And I get teary eyed. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'll make room for the tin. I'm crying. Right. And the train starts pulling away. Still crying. And they drop the tin. This is ridiculous. And like it was an easy handoff, but everybody's emotional. Maybe she's already crying. I don't know. Uh, so she's like trying to chase after this train. I don't know what's slowing her down. We I thought think her maybe skirt. the skirt. But uh, she she can't run. She can't run. And she's holding this tin. And she's sobbing. And she can't hear what he's saying. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. The deaf lady's going to help her. <laughs> so she comes over and, like, she can read lips. And yeah. She says, uh, he's saying, I love you, mom. And then I just cry. Yeah. And then I cry some more. And I go, this is the third time I'm mm-hmm. watching and I'm still crying. <laughs> I I do hope we see Edward again. I, I hope so, too. I I really liked, I, I like that they kind of brought both of them closure mm-hmm. because war is coming. Um, but I would like to see him again. He's actually kind of like, cute too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see him again just because like she has this tin and then he drops it. And I feel like that's still like they haven't that thing that finished happened. their relationship. They True. haven't finished the conversation. They haven't, you know, really settled anything yeah. and it's unsolved. And that's why the tin fell. So do you think this tin of biscuits is what she's been sending him every year? Oh, Maybe. Because she sends a lot yeah. of packages that just get returned, and I'm wondering if it's always been the biscuits. I wonder. It's about the same size. Those biscuits. You're right. So we leave her at the train station alone, eating her sad eating her biscuits. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was this was a really emotional it episode was. in a different way than Siegfried's emotional episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Mother's love is just so deep that it's. I think it's impossible to actually break it. Yeah. So that's my, those are my final thoughts. Do you have any? <laughs> I just hope that we see, I hope we see Edward again so that she can get some more. Even more closure. closure maybe and, build and another relationship. Build a relationship so. with him. That, that would, would be, be so nice. Yeah. So okay. I'm, I'm hoping we either, if we don't see him because he's at war or whatever, we get some letters. Oh, yeah. That would be nice, too. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're going to take another quick break. And when we get back, we'll check on what's happening at Skeldale House and the Alderson's Farm. Support for all creatures, great and small, on Masterpiece is made possible locally by WITF members and by Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, and Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster. Welcome back. Here we are. And we're going to start off by talking about Helen and James. So, yes. Christina, can you? We're going to get into the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> So Helen and James are staying at the Alderson farm uh, while Richard is away visiting his brother. Took me three watches to figure out where Richard was, but Richard's away. I didn't know they were staying there. Yeah, he, and well, I watched he said, it three times. He made too. this mention that he could he could get used to living here 
Oh. So also, like, is it foreshadowing? I don't know. Oh. Um, but yeah, like, so the, oh, they're, they're, they're staying there while Richard is away, I guess, to keep an eye on Jenny, because Jenny is only 14. Yeah. So she can't really stay alone, even though she's capable. Yeah, right? <laughs> she's running a farm. But Helen and James are having a mushroom fight. They're throwing mushrooms that they just picked, which seems like a waste of their time. I but know, but it's it was cute. so cute. I was like, oh, I love this. They're see, so cute together. I'm a romantic at heart, but also like, you just picked all those mushrooms. Now they're I on know. the ground. Like, now you got to pick them Well, again. there was an argument about who picked them anyway. <laughs> That's so. true. That's true. Uh, we find out Jen, uh, Jenny has made a brilliant breakfast. Um, and Unlike she, Helen. <laughs> she's a better cook than her older sister. Yep. Uh, we also find out that she isn't going to school because she left school to work the farm. And she's allowed to do that now that she's 14. Uh, that was a surprise. I like wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I don't know why. Well, so I have a really short personal story to share. My Mima, uh, she grew up on a farm and she left school at the end of eighth grade as oh, well. So, so like that would 14, be roughly yeah. the same time. And she, she left school to work on the farm. And oh, wow. So that's something you're used that's to. That's just that. That's, I guess, normal, quote unquote, for mm-hmm. that time and for that industry, I guess I would say. So um, Helen obviously doesn't feel great <laughs> about this decision. No. Um, and she doesn't look too happy about it. No. But she, I mean, she knows that Jenny's good on the farm mm-hmm. and that's what she wants to do they've had this conversation before that jenny wants to work the land even um, though helen never really did she was just obligated so right. there's she the perspective ob- yeah of helen felt obligated and she did something she didn't want to do and jenny's like this is something this i really want to do but helen's yeah. like are you sure because right because she didn't she, want to her perspective is it might box you in yeah if this is all you do um so but it's it's this sweet Helen um, Jenny are out on the farm and Jenny's taking care of the sheep mm-hmm. and Helen notices some foot rot on one of the sheep yeah and she kind of tells Jenny it's nothing to worry about and she's trying to comfort her because you know this is Jenny has decided to throw herself into this so she knows it's important to her yeah well she and, was upset that she didn't notice it right and she said it's Helen's difficult like, and you're new to this yeah like you're still learning right and you're 14 <laughs> right you're a child <laughs> take a breath you're fine um she says james will examine the sheep yeah. and see what he can do um so the worst james examines nelly and he says worst case scenario uh nelly will have to be put down mm-hmm. yeah that does sound like a worst case scenario thank uh, you oh, i right. think the sheep would agree <laughs> And Jen, oh, I guess like it's good for her for him to talk to Jenny as if she's well, a yes. client of right, his. Because this will be her, yep. her career. So James gave the sheep some prontosil to see if that helps at all, and says that the next step would be to maybe remove part of the hoof. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all happening in between Mrs. Hall's storyline. So this is going to feel like I'm jumping around, but yeah. I'm not. This is all chronological order. <laughs> Later, um, James talks to Helen about the awkwardness that he's noticing between her and Jenny since since Jenny said she left school. And Helen admits that she doesn't know how to talk to Jenny anymore. Well, she's a whole different person. Well, yeah. Helen left, and now Jenny has grown. She's grown into her role as the caretaker at the farm. Yeah, and she's running the farm. She's caretaking. She's taking care of her dad. Like, she has grown into Helen's, like, 
yeah, spot. She's basically and Helen's like, uh, how a do tiny I talk grown to up. <laughs> yeah, how do I talk to her? She just grew up 10 years right. within like two she's weeks of me being here. That making kind of the decisions. Yeah. And taking care of everything on the farm. I mean, she's been, she tried to ease Helen into this to give her credit. She mm-hmm. was trying to take care of these things before he, Helen even left. Uh-huh. We saw that happening. Um, but Helen was not having right. it anyway back then. So. <laughs> That's true. That's she's true. like, I can do that. <laughs> um, James knows. I, I wrote thinks, but he knows that Jenny can like sense this like awkwardness. And he thinks that she's translating this as like, you can't do this. Helen thinks that yeah. Jenny isn't capable of farming. And so Helen's like, there's a big world out there. I don't want her closing off her options too soon. And James just suggests that Helen talk to Jenny and tell her, like, exactly what she told James. Yeah. Like, tell her how she feels. Yeah, being a little mediator there. Thank you, James. Yeah. Like, talk to your sister and tell her how you feel. You because know, sometimes if you just do that, yeah, things can be better. The relationship can grow and you can understand where Jenny's coming from and why she did what she did. I didn't think about it, but this is uh, what Helen normally does for James. Oh, <laughs> so role nice. reversal. This is nice because he's an outside perspective. Yeah. On, usually she's his outside perspective. Mm-hmm. But this time the roles are flipped. Just thought about that now. I like it. Good, uh, good eye. Good eye. <laughs> we find out later that the sheep isn't doing so great. Mm-hmm. And instead of just telling James what to do, Helen asks Jenny her opinion. Like, what What do you think we should do? This is, I love this that. This is your farm now. Yeah. So. What do you think we should do? And Jenny um, basically says, well, I think we should remove part of the hoof. Uh, it's the best chance for saving Nellie. And she's like, she questions herself a little. She goes, but it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. And Helen's like, you're right. It is hard. Um, but then she's like, but I agree. I think we should we should try re- re- removing part of the hoof. And uh, it's interesting that you say hoof. I say hoof, like huff. a hoof. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. No, I don't know. I don't think it's hooves. So maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Hoof. Yep. I don't know. I've been wrong my whole life. Thanks. I say herb. Herb. And some people say herb. Herb is, I see herb as a name. Herb is a. Oh, okay. We could go on and on. Orange, orange, like all these things. (laughs) Um, Later, Helen apologizes to Jenny for making her feel like she wasn't good enough. And she's like, does the whole thing where she says the world's so much bigger than Darabee and we often forget it. And she says, the truth is, you've always been a farmer and a truly excellent one. And that was a really sweet sister Aww, moment. Yeah. Like, it's. I think it was hard for Helen to, like, just say that out loud and let her sister make her own decisions. Mm-hmm. As an older sister, I should say, I've been in that experience where you're like, oh, okay. I have to let go of the reins now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make all of the decisions for her right, anymore. Right. Like, she has to make her own decisions and her own successes and her own failures and it's like all all part of the process like yeah. that's just part of life um and then we find out that the surgery went well so nelly will live which is nice yay it's Nellie. not a tragic story uh, i feel like we should start singing like ride with me or something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> enough nelly songs i don't think to to do what? that i mean i know them but i mean i don't know the words if you want to go and take a ride with me okay I'm done. <laughs> That's as much as we can say for copyright reasons. Yes. Well, let's take a ride to, <laughs> right, to <next>. Scaldale. <laughs> so back at Scaldale, um, Tristan is put in charge of cooking and cleaning in Mrs. Hall's absence. Typical Tristan Siegfried relationship fashion. Siegfried just, just dictates this and he says, just try to complete the tasks as satisfactorily, satisfactorily as you can. That's a hard word to say. <laughs> 
Um, and then Andrew Simmons shows up, and he's so cute. He's such a little cutie like, pie. I feel like I've seen him in something, but I couldn't remember. Slicked over hair yeah. and like all of his very polite mannerisms remind me so much of my nephew, the one that I, whose head I like to sniff as a baby. <laughs> Um, but Andrew has arrived to shadow um, the practice for the day, and Siegfried tries to pass him off on to Tristan. I also under didn't understand why he said Siegfried Farnan. Don't ask. Oh, what is that about? So I feel I don't think they approach that in the shows, but mm-hmm. I think I've read somewhere that. Siegfried is supposed to hate his name because it sounds so German. And even though he's not German oh. at all, he's like bitter that his parents gave him a very German sounding name. So he says, don't ask, like, don't ask me right. about if I'm German or not. And I know in the book, because I started listening to the book and I didn't get very far, but James is imagining what Siegfried looks like. And he's imagining this, like, I think, stout older German man. <laughs> and then he shows up and it's a very English guy. Yeah. So... Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, that's yeah, good that's to know. my little tidbit. That's like all I know. But I saw that and I was just like, they don't really talk about this in the series as far as I know. Yeah. So it felt a little out of place. Or maybe but it's they, probably a shout out to the book. I guess. Yeah. Or they yeah. could have talked about it and then got rid of that scene. And, you oh, know, that's it, possible. That kind of yeah. It might have been happened. a scene that got yeah. cut. Um, anyway, so he tries to pass Andrew off to Tristan and Tristan kind of shrugs and says, not just try to complete the tasks as satisfactorily as you can. Yeah. <laughs> So he throws it right back at him. Um, I love Tristan. So Siegfried, unfortunately, he has he has Andrew uh, as his shadow for the day, and mm-hmm. he's giving Andrew a tour, and he's like showing him the the medicine uh, room. I don't know what they call it, dispensary. Yes, and he's like doing this little he's singing this little tune as he goes he's like very cheerful around this yeah kid. <laughs> i actually like looked up the tune i was very interested because he, he always sings right and i just wanted to know what it was and okay. like because it was a lot of pieces as he's going through the whole tour oh and yeah. he did a perfect job uh acting this out <laughs> it was it was hilarious very lighthearted through all of the the tough conversations and the uncomfortableness of yeah. mrs hall the rest of the episode but um so I was just interested, and it's called uh, John Wellington Wells, A Sorcerer, and it's from the album Patter Songs from Gilbert and Sullivan. I mean, it sounded like a really fun little song. I might have yeah. to search for it later and listen to the whole thing. There has to be a recording There is. Online. There's a bunch. Oh, you did? Uh-huh. Oh, did you listen to it? I did. It's was he good. on key? <laughs> it's Siegfried. <He's> always... <laughs> um, anyways, they're doing yeah. this tour, and Andrew notices, I'm going to mess up this name, Bonolel. I mean, Bonalil? that's how you spelled it. I think that's how it. Bonalil. <laughs> he notices the rat. Yes. And we find out, per Siegfried, that rats don't sweat. But Andrew already knew this. He said they expand and contract their tails to regulate their temperature. Didn't know that. I had no idea. That's either. pretty cool. <laughs> so I learned something from watching this episode. Uh, Tristan. Later on, we see Tristan serving lunch, mm-hmm. and he's super proud of the meal he made. And um, he also was not expecting to cook for three. So and now he's props. cooking for three. So but then he didn't even have Tris. to. The kid brought his own lunch right, anyway. He did. He was too <laughs> self-sufficient. <laughs> he made it himself. And then Siegfried with his rude comment. Like he's giving this kid so many compliments all day. Right, right. And he's like, wow, that's impressive. You made your own lunch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right in front of Tristan right front who of made Tristan lunch. For right. And, and it's better. 
better than uh, Siegfried expected. Yeah. I um, love Tristan when he's like, it's better than expected. He's like, ah, oh, there it is. There it eventually is, like, comes we out. We got there in the end. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually really surprised that he was capable of making food because in the previous episode, he was trying to make sandwiches. He couldn't cut a loaf of bread. Yeah. He like, probably had the wrong knife, How though. did he... But how does he? How did he cook an entire lunch? I I have no idea. Because he knows how to peel potatoes. <laughs> the versatile that's, vegetable. That's really what it was. <laughs> All potatoes. Uh, so so, anyways, very impressive, Tris. I would date you now. Let's hook up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so. The doorbell goes and Tristan answers the door because he's Mrs. Hall today. Mm -hmm. And it's Mr. Sunningwell and his dog Benjamin was kicked by a cow. And in the hallway. I felt so sad hearing that dog again. I can't hear this. Uh, In the hallway. Well, he says, bring him in. So they're carrying Benjamin in and the Farnan brothers are fighting over who's going to treat this dog. And Sunningwell is just annoyed. He's like, figure it out. I just need somebody to fix my doll. Right. He's like, stop your faffin, yeah. which I'm going to mentally tuck away because I love it. <laughs> and Siegfried tells Tristan he has cleaning up to do, which I thought was real rude. Oh, yeah. Um, but so Siegfried does claim this. And this says, come on, Andrew. Yeah. And Andrew's in there. And um, Tristan goes back out to the kitchen and looks at the mess that nobody, like, they had two bites of this lunch. Mm-hmm. And he has to put it all away. <laughs> and he's like, how do you do it all, Mrs. Hall? Yeah, right. <laughs> Mrs. H. Um, in the exam room, Andrew is wondering, naturally, is wondering whether the injury is internal or external. Mm-hmm. So this kid's, like, real smart. Yeah. I love him. Um, and Andrew goes out to... Oh, no. Andrew comforts Mr. Sunningwell, puts his hand on his back and says, it'll be all right, sir. And like this is literally what Tristan does. All the time. All the time. And He's good with Siegfried, people. And Siegfried, like, never notices it. That's uh, why Tristan so, gets like, the cakes. Uh, yeah, it's exactly why he gets the cakes. Um, later, as Mr. Sunningwell is waiting, Tristan takes care of him. He mm-hmm. finds out that because it's Tristan, uh, he finds out that Benjamin was... Mr. Sunningwell's mom's dog, and he feels like he's let her down. And Tristan is so sweet. He's like, you haven't let her down. And he did this in, like, the most caring, Mm -hmm. not condescending way at all. Like, it's clear that Tristan's like, no, you did exactly what you needed to do. You brought him here. He's getting care. He's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then he goes off and gets um, Mr. Sunningwell some tea. And he takes it with milk, no sugar, which is apparently also his mother's doing. <laughs> Back in the exam room, Andrew sees Siegfried being really gentle with Benjamin, um, just like he was with the horses. Mm-hmm. And Siegfried asks Andrew to help reset the leg, which... Tug of war style. Oh, my God. Free, that would freak me out as yeah. a full-grown person. So th- <laughs> he says, basically, if you know how to play tug of war, you can do this. And Siegfried says, He's like, I'm 10. You'll be <laughs> fine. Yeah, but he goes, like, You'll be fine. I'm with you, which I thought was really sweet. He is sweet. Um, but yeah, so they're going to tug of war this leg back into place and they, they do it. And the dog's fine. And so mm-hmm. uh, Siegfried's like, go out and tell Sunningwell the good news. And Andrew goes out and he's like all excited oh, and he's yeah. saying, oh, your dog's fine. He's Everything's okay. And as Sunningwell's leaving, he assumes that Andrew is Siegfried's son yeah and he's he makes the comment that not all of us are so lucky which we know Siegfried does not have children so he is one of those that is not so lucky 
He just has Tristan. Say anything. <laughs> right. He just lets it lets it go and Sunningwell He's leaves. He's lucky and all with is Tristan. Well. Yeah, he is. He lucky just doesn't with recognize it. <laughs> Because he's Siegfried. Yes. Well, he's too He's too in it. Mm-hmm. He's too in it. So in the kitchen, Andrew and Tristan kind of have this like bonding moment over potatoes. Andrew says that his mom calls potatoes the versatile vegetable, which I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. <laughs> <laughs> Allie, if you saw Lord of the Rings, you would know that line. Sorry, I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, Tristan finds out that Andrew is an only child and he's jealous of it. He says, you can't possibly imagine how fortunate you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Andrew wishes he has a sibling. And I understand this. Like, my sister was my playmate growing up. Like, I like having a sister. It's really nice to have somebody that's there that you can, like, make fun of your parents with and all of that. Being an only child would be... I probably would have been fine because I'm an introvert, but... (laughs) It wouldn't have been as fun. <laughs> um, Need somebody but, to blame the dishes on. and Yeah. yeah. Uh, Siegfried comes into the kitchen, ruins everything. He criticizes Tristan's use of potatoes. Like, as always. I guess he's sick of eating potatoes. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and then he says, Andrew here was absolutely professional earlier, compassionate, sensitive, caring. And Tristan counters with, you know, that approach to vetting isn't unique. With a stare. <laughs> I just yeah. get like so frustrated with Siegfried. He is so mean he's to so Tristan. He's so blind to it. But he's just so like mean to Tristan about it. He is. Well, like, come on, man. Tristan he, does all of this stuff. You won't even give him a compliment. You're complimenting this <laughs> child in front of Tristan like, hey, look, this kid did great. See, this is why I was afraid that I was going to get Siegfried on the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Because I can be blind to the nice things that people do to me and only pick up on the things that annoy me, mm. which is something I'm, I'm working on myself internally. You're doing a great job. <laughs> um, so Andrew's dad shows up and he's here to pick up Andrew. And it's so It is his dad, not his headmaster. Because he oh. said, I don't know who picked him up. Oh, I but don't, he, they said headmaster, headmaster earlier. Oh, maybe it is his headmaster. But, but he's excited. It could excited. be his dad, yeah. It could, He's excited. That's and he's all talking real excited in the background. And it's mm-hmm. so freaking cute. I was just so happy. So that's probably why I was just like, oh, he's so happy. And I blanked on who was actually picking him up. <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't really know. <laughs> uh, but Tristan is there and he's getting ready to take care of the cooking for Mrs. Hall. He was, doesn't want her to have to like cook dinner on top of everything. But he burned himself. I know. Poor Tristan. Um, and Siegfried helps him but is condescending while he does it. As always. Uh but this does lead to a really sweet moment between the brothers that made yeah. me, my heart sing very happily. So mm-hmm. um, do you want to roll that clip? I used to be just like him, you know. Who? Andrew. When I was his age, I used to look up to you the way he did. I was just as shy, timid but curious, and eager to learn everything from you. I think you've always resented me a little. I mean, why, why wouldn't you? You were lumbered with a kid and you had no choice but to take me in. Pish. Is that untrue? What's untrue is that I didn't care about you. All right, I wasn't quite ready back then for parenthood. I didn't need a parent. I never needed a parent. I didn't mean you, Tristan. Before you came. Years before, early in our marriage, I 
told Evelyn that I wasn't ready for children. <laughs> what kind of father would I be? The notion was absurd. She didn't understand. She saw something in me I, I didn't see. Then you came and you needed our time. Then she got ill. Just when I was ready, she got ill. She died. And um, there we are. You never told me. So that was a really touching conversation between Siegfried and Tristan. Yeah, it was. And I wanted to note that Tristan's really good at getting people to open up. He is. And I think it's because he's so good at being vulnerable. Like, yeah. he just wears his heart on his sleeve all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you you don't have to guess what's he, what he's thinking because he's just going to say it. Yeah. Which is refreshing. I was also trying the to... complete fi- opposite of Siegfried. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out their age difference. And I, I guess I should probably look this up to figure out, um, like, online because they're brothers in, in real life. But right. um, what their age difference is because Siegfried was already married. For right. a couple of years right. before Tristan came to Showed his... Showed up. And yeah. he must have been... I mean, he was probably a teenager, I would assume, by I the guess. time. So, tr- so I, I guess wonder he if could Tristan be like, was the surprise baby. I, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's like a like a 10-year difference or like a 15-year difference. Yeah. You know? And then that's, that's big. Well, and the books probably change some details about mm-hmm. like real life, too. So I don't know how how wide of a difference it's supposed to be. We know that in this series, at least, that James and Tristan are around the same age because they've graduated school around the same time. And they are portraying Siegfried like he is almost a generation older. Yes. But I think it's just because he's grumpy that he comes across (laughs) that way. Well, I want to find out. (laughs) I need to know how old. But yeah, we'll have to to try and do some some math later because yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how big of a gap they're supposed to be. I mean, even six years or 10 years makes a big difference oh, in yeah. maturity. My one sister's 10 years older than me. It's a whole different... It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they have this really touching moment and Mrs. Hall comes home mm-hmm. and Tristan insists on taking care of Mrs. Hall even though he burnt his hand. He's like, I'll live, which is really sweet. Um, So Mrs. Hall takes her biscuits out to the sitting room. Uh, Jess took her shortbread off of her plate. (laughs) And I was like, is Jess getting the same diet now as Tricky Woo? Like anything in sight? (laughs) He's just like, thank you. I'll take that. Yeah. Well, I mean, sick for Jessica, like Jess. But I wonder if that was like (laughs) scripted scripted or it probably wasn't. (laughs) And he luckily said, Jess, hey. There's a cookie. Oh, <laughs> look. It's just open on her lap. Um, um, I'm going to take, take it. it. I thought it looked like she handed it to him, but maybe she didn't. Maybe he did sneak it off of her plate. I think. I didn't look that closely, yeah, to be honest. I think it was stolen. <laughs> but there is this moment where Siegfried actually compliments Triss for a clean house. In front of Tristan. Right. In front of him. He witnessed it. I think pigs flew at this moment, and it's like groundbreaking news. <laughs> it like It needs to be to figure out what pigs headliner. Yeah. <laughs> it's a headline. Like He complimented Tristan in front of Tristan. Yeah. Yeah, and um, 
he he's trying to insist that he's going to stick around and take care of Mrs. Hall. But Mrs. Hall's like, no, I'm home. <laughs> you go off and you see Flo. So he's going yeah. on a date with Flo, which is which is nice. Yay. Um, and I just love that um, Siegfried takes the time to ask how Mrs. Hall's visit went. Because, you know, sometimes he's a little bit touch and go with the whole personal things. Yeah. But he asks how her visit went, and she said it went by too fast, but she feels the very ground beneath her has shifted, mm-hmm. and she feels lighter, and she's smiling like only the smile of a healed heart could smile. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Siegfried says, I think maybe he's finally realized how much you care, and she's like, oh, I don't know. I hope. Yeah. It was just a, it was really, it was a sweet ending. Maybe next time she can send the tin of cookies and biscuits to him and he'll keep them maybe and actually eat the biscuits that would Mm -hmm. be nice would be nice yeah i don't think any of us know quite how to express our gratitude to you mrs hall (laughs) believe me (laughs) i love them together yeah they really are They're, they're so cute they're Perfect. I know. I'm still hoping they get together, mm-hmm. even though I love Gerald too. I just, I'm very conflicted right now. My brain doesn't know what it's doing. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening along to another episode of Postscript. I'm not sure what this finale has in store for us, but the anticipation is high. I agree. I can't believe we only have episode six and then the Christmas special left. I know. I'm a little uh, like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It all happened so quickly. It did. So if you have any guesses (laughs) as to what will happen next or reactions or if you've taken that quiz and you've already or you've already watched, please email them to us at ps at WITF.org. You can also send us a message on social media on Instagram at WITFORG and Facebook at WITF.org. This podcast was produced by Ali Amaros for WITF. I'm Beth Capello. And I'm Christina Ziders. Catch you next time for the Season 3 finale. We'd like to thank Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster, and WITF members for supporting all creatures great and small on WITF. Thank you.